Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. I've been praying for you as we shared last week that you would be able to discern the difference between conviction and condemnation. And today it is true because I hope and I pray that you're gonna be as convicted as I have been convicted all week in this passage of scripture. In the book of Malachi. You know, and I know some of you are not gonna like me for what I'm about to say, but y'all all realize that the Christmas season is almost here. Somebody even said it the other day that they were already seeing Christmas decorations in the stores. Is that true? I think they need to repent. I mean, that's gotta be a sin somewhere in the book of Second Opinions or something. You don't celebrate Christmas in September. Yeah, anyway. But the reality is, is we all know how Christmas goes. It's gonna be here before we know it. And there's nothing more frightening than when you wake up that week before Christmas, and you realize what gifts you have not bought. My wife took Deacon and Andy, my two daughters, last week on a shopping spree to pick out Christmas for their grandmothers, from their grandmothers, and I got mad at my wife. I said, Chelsea, you're really sowing confusion in our daughters. They're thinking Christmas, and it's the last week of September. Then she reminded me she's got a baby on the way, and She may not be available in the month of November, so shame on me. But we all know that Christmas is coming, and here's the truth. Every one of you, if you're anything like me, we're gonna put it off, we're gonna put it off, we're gonna put it off, and then all of a sudden, the week before, what happens? Panic sets in, right? Panic sets in, and now you have a couple of options. You either go to Walmart and get in a fight with every individual in the store, (laughs) Well, we got an amen. Or now we've got Amazon, but you know Amazon's not really working real well right now because they can't get stuff. Or you can always re-gift. How many of you have re-gifted? You don't have to show your hands because the person you re-gifted for might be sitting right beside you. So just keep your hands down. But we all know that re-gifting, it is an option. I remember one time, I'm not gonna go into the history of this, that I received a re-gift. And it's one thing for the re-gift to still be in its package, to still, you know, maybe even have the stickers on it. But when you can realize that it's been used, that's a whole nother level of disappointment. That's a whole nother level of heartbreak. And when you receive that re-gift, if you somehow know, and have you ever gifted somebody something and then the next year they give it back to you? All these are those worst case scenarios of re-gifting, by the way. But when we get that gift that has been given multiple times, we, we can tend to feel unappreciated. We can feel like we're unloved. And 
We often make the statement, you know what, I just wish you wouldn't have given me anything. If that's all you're gonna put into it, don't give me anything. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's what we're gonna see today in Malachi chapter one. That's the theme of today. That's the heartbeat of today. Because we know that as we talked last week and as we set the stage for this authentic worship, there's not a lot of authentic worship going on in the children of Israel in Malachi. And so that's what we're gonna look at today. But, but first, I've gotta kind of clue you in on, on some Jewish worship practices of what the way that they would have worshiped, the, the purpose of their worship and what the worship looked like. Now understand, this is not gonna be some deep theological dive here. This is kind of a, a 30,000 foot view. Now remember, the children of Israel are God's chosen people. These are the ones that God has delivered, that he has rescued. And so when we look at their element of worship, all God is wanting is their devotion and their heart. He's wanting their devotion in their heart because of what he has done for them. And so when we look at Jewish worship, we understand that, that the purpose behind that is to honor God and to praise God for what he has done for his faithfulness. And so the way that Jewish worship would work, and you're gonna hear the parallels as to even the New Testament church, but the people would come to the temple and they would, they would bring their offering of sacrifice. And in this case, we're gonna look at today, it was to sacrifice an animal. And then the priest would either receive this offering or he would reject that offering. And if the priest accepted the offering, we, we know that this stood for that, that God was pleased with the offering, that he was satisfied with the offering that they were bringing. But what you have to understand is that the children of Israel could not just offer any animal. He couldn't just offer any animal to be offered up to a perfect and a holy God. And that law was put into place in Leviticus chapter 22. So you know it's gonna be good when you end up in the Levitical law. So I want you to flip to Leviticus chapter 22. I want you to flip to Leviticus chapter 22. And I want you to hear the, the rules, the, the stipulations that have been put in place as to what the people were supposed to be offering. What the offering had to had to look like in order for God to accept it and in order for the priest to accept it. Verse 19 is where we're gonna start reading. For you to be accepted, it must be a male without defect from the cattle, the sheep, or the goats. Verse 20, whatever has a defect, you shall not offer it, for it will not be accepted for you. When a man offers a sacrifice of peace and offering to the Lord to fulfill a special vow or for a free will offering of the herd or of the flock, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. Verse 22, those that are blind or fractured or maimed or having running sores or eczema or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord nor make it of them an offering by fire on the altar of the Lord. So you see there, there's the very strict rules that have been put in place of what the children of Israel could offer that would be accepted by a holy and a perfect God. We see the overview of that. There must be a male. 
They must not be blind. There should be no fractures, no sores. So ultimately these sacrifices, these offerings should be in perfect condition and anything less than perfection was to not be accepted. And so the point being, they offered perfect gifts to enter into the fellowship of a perfect and a holy God. I don't know about you, but when we just read that, that should make us so thankful for the New Testament. That should make us so thankful for the coming of Christ that we don't have to worry about all that. And so that all right now, we could stop and just praise God for the perfect sacrifice of his son Jesus that we don't have to live by this law anymore. But the picture that's being painted here is anytime the children of Israel would offer less than perfection, they were ultimately compromising the holiness of God. Anytime they were offering less than perfection, they were compromising the holiness of God. And you see, that's what's been going on. The Jewish priests and the people are guilty of offering things that aren't perfect. They were guilty of offering blemished animals to be sacrificed on a holy altar. And so I want us to pick up in Malachi chapter one. Malachi chapter one, and we're gonna read verse six to start with. We're actually gonna finish chapter one this week. We're not gonna read every verse, but we're actually gonna finish an entire chapter today. But verse six, remember, God is speaking through the prophet of Malachi, and here's what God is saying through him. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priest who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? If you notice here, God refers to himself as the father because he is the father of the nation of Israel. Remember when we talked about Jacob and Esau last week, that he was the father of these two nations. So here God is declaring himself once again, the father of the nation of Israel. And so God is saying, look, I'm your father. I am your provider. And so therefore as a father, all I want is your honor and your respect. For all the dads in the room, we know what it's like. We want our child to honor and respect us because of what we give them, what we provide for them, how we love them. And so we see that that's all God is wanting is the honor and the respect that he deserves. But God is frustrated because he said, because of your actions, you're despising my name. Do you look at the weight of that word despise? It literally means to trample with your feet. So here the children of Israel are who God has delivered, who God has loved, who God has provided for, and their father tells them, here's what I think of how you love me. You're despising my name by trampling my name. You're walking on my name. My feet, my name is under your feet. And so as the children of Israel, we see that they become what we would like to believe they're offended by this. And they begin to rebuttal with God. How many of you have ever argued with God? Usually doesn't turn out too well. So they're rebuttaling with God and they say, God, how have we despised your name? How in the world have we trampled your name? 
And we're gonna see why they're saying that in just a minute, but at verse seven and eight, I love it because it's almost like God says, well, I'm glad you asked. And I'll tell you how you're despising my name. Look at verse seven and eight. You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. Verse eight, and I want you to listen and hold on to this. We're gonna come back to eight again in a little while. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive your kindly, says the Lord of hosts. So what we can find in verse seven and eight, well, actually six, seven, and eight, it's almost as if the children of Israel are just perplexed. It's almost they're like going, God, what are you talking about? God, what do you mean that we're despising your name, that we're trampling your name? God, what are you talking about? And in their defense, they're basically saying, God, we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing. We're doing it all. We're going through all of the motions that we are supposed to be going through as Christians. We're jumping through all of the hoops. We're doing everything. We're, we're coming to church. We're giving an offering. And put it in modern day terms, maybe they're even saying, you know what, I'm even coming to Wednesday night established. I'm coming to Sunday school. I've been a faithful Sunday school member for the last 15 years. God, I'm doing it all. I'm even tithing. Not to mention, God, remember, I'm serving in kids ministry. And so we see that the children of Israel, they're saying, God, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I'm jumping through all of the hoops as to what it looks like to honor God but you're telling me that I'm despising your name? But what we see here is that the children of Israel are a lot like us. They are completely focused on the action and the invent of being a Christian rather than being focused on the condition of their heart. And what you have to understand is, you know what? They're busy for God. They are busy doing what they think God wants them to do. Can I tell you that one of the devil's easiest tools to distract you as a Christian is to make you busy? To make you busy even in the house of God. Even in the church, the enemy loves to make you busy. He loves to make you busy. He wants to appear to you that everything is okay because you're checking all the boxes, you're jumping through all of the hoops. The devil loves to make you busy in the kingdom so that you will be more focused on the what rather than the why. I don't know about you, but that is something that I am guilty of time and time and time again becoming so focused on the what we're doing that we forget the why we're doing it. And you gotta understand, that's what's going on in the children of Israel here. And you know, to be busy for God, just like the children of Israel, we can fool everybody. 
We can fool everybody. I can fool everybody on this campus. Every person in the chairs right now, you can fool every person that's to your right or your left. They can think that you're in a great place with the Lord and base it off how busy you are for him. But you gotta understand, if we forget the why we're doing it, then we might as well not do it. And we're gonna see that in just a minute. But you see the children of Israel, they fooled everybody. You see the people are flocking to the temple. I would venture to say there was probably no room in the parking lot. They were bringing their sacrifices. You see, they had this performance thing perfected. They had this idea of performance for God. They had it perfected. And church, that's where we have gotta be so careful. I wonder how many of us are here this morning. We're at church this morning because we live in the South. It's Sunday. This is what we're supposed to do, right? And so when you go home this afternoon, you check church off the box. You've done your duty as a Christian because you came to church on Sunday. You see, that's exactly what's going on on the outside. We can check every box. We can be as busy as we wanna be, but we can be as far away from God as anybody could ever imagine. You could be as far away from God even while being completely busy for God. And you know what? There's nothing the enemy loves more than to make you busy. Because you know why? Jumping through all of the church hoops, jumping over all of the church hurdles, if we forget the why and we're focused on the what, can I go ahead and tell you right now, it will lead to burnout. It will frustrate you. It will discourage you. And we see that that's exactly what's happening here in the children of Israel. They even say it. Look in verse 10, I believe it is. Or no, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, verse 13. Listen to what the children of Israel even say. They're jumping through all the hoops. Everybody thinks they've got their act together. But look at verse 13. You also say, my, how tiresome it is. My, how tiresome it is. Can we just be real? It is exhausting when we try to pretend we're something we're not. And when we come to church acting like we'd love to be here, acting like we're, we're doing all of the Christian things, if we're not letting the why drive us to be here, if we have forgotten the why we're here, I'm telling you right now, you will get tired of it. You will get exhausted. You'll begin to resent the very thing that we're called to do because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it for the what. You're doing it for the what. The enemy loves to make you busy because he knows it leads you to burnout. The children of Israel, they're bored, truthfully. When you look in the, in the context of tiresome, it's basically saying that they're bored with church. 
They're bored with jumping through the hoops. They're bored with coming to worship. They're bored with coming to bring their offering. And the reason is, is because there's no why behind it. It's all about the what they're doing. And they're bored with coming to church. But what we find and what we read all through this text, and this is where it's gonna kind of get up close and personal. What we have to learn here is that they are going to the temple, they're bringing their offering, they're jumping through the hoops of church with a selfish heart. They're coming to church. They're coming to the temple to self-serve themselves, to make themselves feel better about coming to church. How many of us are here this morning that that's the very reason we're here? If I don't go to church, I know this afternoon at 12.30 when it's over, I'm gonna feel guilty. So I just better go to God's house just so I can enjoy watching football on Sunday afternoon and not feel bad for it. You see, that's exactly what the children of Israel are doing. They're coming to church. They're bringing their offerings to make themselves feel better about who they are. They forgot what God has done. They have forgotten that God has delivered. They have forgotten that God has restored. They have forgotten all that God has provided. And so therefore they're coming just for themselves. Church, here's where we need to throw a caution flag up. We need to throw a red flag up, whatever. But when we come to church thinking that the church exists for us, we have missed it. When we think that this local fellowship exists for us, we have missed it. Because the reality is, is we've lost the perspective of what the God's house is for. The children of Israel, they have lost perspective of what the temple was for. They thought the temple existed to make themselves feel better, but the temple existed so that they could offer a perfect and a holy sacrifice to a perfect and a holy God. Do you realize that is the very reason we gather as a church family this morning? is to give him what he deserves, to praise and honor his name. That's the very reason we're here today. But the problem is, is this has been compromised. This is the very reason God is so frustrated. It's because he's saying my children have forgotten what my house is for. They think my house exists to serve them. Can I tell you that's why most people leave churches? Is because the church ain't serving them the way they think they should? How much different would it look as a follower of Christ if we showed up here every Sunday morning instead of looking at what the church could do for us? God, I'm in your home on holy ground today. God, what can I do to magnify your name? If that was our mindset, if that was our eyes, I can promise you there's not a person in these hallways that would go without being spoken to. Because we would realize that we're here today for him and him alone. That's the reason that we're here this morning. 
But you see, the priest had gotten to a place where he was compromising the purpose of the temple. The priest was compromising what he was allowing the children of Israel to offer. And one of my favorite lines of any movie is remember the Titans. When the argument's going on and he says, attitude reflects leadership, captain. Y'all, have you seen the movie? That's one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. Because the priests are allowing it, guess what the children of Israel are doing? Well, if, if the boss is gonna allow it, then we can just give a half-hearted sacrifice. If he's gonna allow me to go through the motions, then guess what? I'm just gonna go through the motions. If the leader's gonna go through the motions, then therefore I can justify it in my own mind that I can just go through the motions. And that's exactly what's happening in verse eight. We see there, it says, but when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? When you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Do you realize the weight of what God is saying? He is saying that when we come to church just to jump through the motions, it's evil. When we give God our half-hearted effort, if we focus on the what rather than the why, do you realize according to this text, it's evil. It is evil when we're not all in. But you see what's going on right now. If you remember going back to last week, the economy's tanking. Money is hard to come by. And so what the children of Israel were doing is They've got a, a perfect sacrifice. Then they've got one that's crippled or lame and they think, you know what? The value of this one's a lot more. So therefore, you know what? I might need this money later on down the line. So I'm just gonna take this one. It's not worth as much as that one and I'm just gonna offer it. Hey, the leader's accepting it anyway. So I can take this lame offering, literally <laughs> lame offering. Y'all see what I did there? Y'all missed that. You can take this lame offering and offer it. And the priest says, oh, you know what? I'm gonna let you buy this week. That's okay. I know things have been tough. So I'm just gonna allow, let's just take this half-hearted offering and I'll take it. Because you see what's going on is the priest has become more concerned about drawing a crowd than he has calling the people to holiness. Do you see the parallel there? And church, there's gonna be day, a day that comes where I stand before a holy God and I'm not gonna give an account for the crowds that were drawn to Chestnut Mountain Church. What I'm gonna give an account for is that I call his church to holiness. Did I call you to bring the best you have? Did I call you to offer the best you have? Because God don't care about the crowd. God cares about holiness. God cares about holiness. But you see, the problem with all of this that's going on right here in these children of Israel, that's going on in the temple that God has rebuilt, what all is going on is, you see, the reality is, is the children of Israel didn't want worship to cost them anything. They didn't want worship to cost them anything. They didn't want serving God to cost them anything. 
How often are we guilty of the very same thing? We want all the benefits of God. We want God's protection. We want God's provision. We want all of his blessings, but heaven forbid me following Christ cost me anything. I believe all through the New Testament we read that we're called to die to ourselves. We're called to die to ourselves. And you say, well, Brian, I thought it was this free gift of salvation. Yes, it is free. It has been paid for you. But when we understand the vastness of the size of that gift, we understand that without the giving of that gift, we were hopeless, we were lost. When we see the weight of what God gave in his son, church, we should want nothing more than to bring our very best because of what he's done, because of what he's given. We should be in a place where we say, you know what, God, because of what you gave me, because of what you've given me, what you continue to give me, God, I don't want to give anything but my best. I want to give you the best that I have to offer. But you see, the priest had become more concerned about promoting a crowd than they had promoting holiness. Because the church knew if they could get away with bringing something less than their best, you know what, going to church over there, it's easy. Going to church over there, it's easy. That, that pastor kind of lets me do what I wanna do. He lets me live how I wanna live. He lets me just kind of come in and come out. You know what? There's nothing that breaks my heart when people say, you know what? I've been going to church over there because church going over there is easy. Following Christ is not easy. The church, the corporate, the big C church, we've got to get back to a place where we're more concerned about holiness than crowds and trust God with the rest. Let's trust God with the rest. And you see, church, that's why our number one value is biblical teaching. And we're never gonna get away from biblical teaching because this biblical teaching is what calls his followers to holiness. It's what calls us to another level. It's what calls us to a different place than what this world has to offer. But this is what God is communicating. This is what God is so frustrated about. He's saying, I've given my all and you're just giving me what's left over. I've given you my everything. Not to mention what he's gonna do in the New Testament through the giving of his only son, but I've given you everything, but you just wanna give me what's left over. You just wanna give me what's kind of off to the side that you really don't need anyway. You wanna hear what God feels about just giving our leftovers? Look at verse 10. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle a fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you. Do you know what he's literally saying there? If that's all you've got to give, if that's all the effort that you're gonna put forth, you might as well just shut the door. 
I would rather you just shut the door. I would rather you just not come if that's all you're gonna give. You say, well, Brian, that's awful harsh. He's God. I guess he's entitled to be harsh. Church, what if that was our mindset? Just to be real, real honest with you, if, and I guess we'll know the weight of this if nobody's here next week, that if we were to challenge you each week, you know what? If you're not gonna bring your best, if you're not gonna bring all that you are, just don't come. Now look, don't get that misinterpreted. Sometimes the best we have to offer is a broken heart that don't wanna fight anymore, that wants to give up, that wants to throw in the towel. Sometimes the best that we have is a broken home. Sometimes the best that we have are children who are, who are living, following everything but God. But you know what? Remember, it's not about the what you're doing, it's about the why you're doing it. And what would it look like if we're saying, God, I don't have hardly anything to offer today. God, I'm broken, I'm hurting, I'm miserable, I'm ready to give up. But God, you know what? That's all I got to give. And I'm here. That's all he wants. That's all he wants is the best you have. Does your best line up with somebody else's best? Probably not. There's a lot of people I look around the room that I respect and I admire. My best doesn't even compare to your best. What you have to offer so much more than I have to offer. But in God's eyes, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the condition of your heart. Be focused on the why we do it, not the what. But then as he scolds them and tells them, you know what, if you're just gonna go through the motions, don't come. You might as well shut and lock the doors if you're just gonna jump through the hoops. Look at what he says in verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered in my name and a grain offering that is pure for my name will be great among the nations. Basically what God is saying, my glory is coming. Do you wanna be a part of it or not? I'm gonna fulfill my mission. I'm gonna accomplish my work and I'm inviting you in to be a part of it, but you've gotta decide, do you wanna get on that train or not? It's gonna happen whether we're on board or not. You see, the problem is, is in the church, we've got this kind of mindset that God needs me. That we're doing God some favor by being here. That when we give financially, we're doing God some favor. I can promise you, God is not sitting on his throne this morning, white knuckles going, oh, I hope the people of Chestnut Mountain Church write that check today. Because if they don't, I don't know what we're gonna do. I hope that person decides to serve this week. I hope that person does this, because you know what? It ain't gonna work if they don't. God is saying, no, that's not how it works. His name will be made famous above the nations, but the reality is he's inviting us in. Will we get on board or not? That's the team I wanna be on. 
That's the game that I want to participate in. And he goes on to say that every place incense will be offered and a grain offering that is pure. You see, this is a foreshadowing of the coming of Christ. This is a foreshadowing of him sending his son. That is the perfect grain offering that he's talking about. That his son is going to be offered up in perfection without blemish. And when we place our faith in that, do you understand that that is going to be the only offering that God accepts? Have you placed your faith in the perfect grain offering that is his son? That is his son, Jesus. And then he says that there's gonna be incense offered. You see, that means that we're all gonna have access to a holy and a righteous God because of his son. We're gonna have communion with the father because we have placed our faith in his son. We're placing our faith in what God has offered on our behalf. And then Jesus even speaks to that in John 14, six. Jesus says that he is the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but by me. That is the only offering that will be accepted before a holy and a righteous and a just God. Have you placed your faith in the perfect offering of Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith in what he has done on your behalf? If we offer anything other than that, I want you to listen to me. If we offer anything other than faith in Jesus Christ, that offering is blemished. That offering is blemished if we offer anything other than Christ. You say, well, Brian, what in the world do you mean that we offer? I ain't bringing no calf to church. I'm not bringing a lamb to church. What do you mean a blemished offering? You see, there's a day that you're coming gonna stand before a holy and a just God on, on judgment day. And what you're gonna tend to wanna say, if your faith is not in Christ, you're gonna go through all of the list as to why God should accept you in. Well, God, I went to church. God, I've never cheated on my spouse. God, I've given every Sunday. God, I served in children's ministry, heaven forbid. God, is that not something? Or maybe you go through the, not necessarily what you are doing, but maybe the offering that you offer up is the what you don't do. Well, God, I don't drink, smoke, do drugs. So God, I don't do any of that. So shouldn't you let me in, God? But you see the problem with that, you heard what just happened. All we're focused on is the what. All we're focused on is the what. What have I done for God instead of why have I given everything? Why am I serving the one who's given himself for me? So church, anything we offer, look, we even read that. We read that in Matthew chapter seven. You don't have to turn there, but I'll just read it and it'll probably be on the screens. Matthew chapter seven, verse 22 and 23. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform miracles? 
You see, they listed all the things that they do. They were so focused on the what they did. But when they're focused on the what, look at the response. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You see, on the outside, they had everybody fooled. But on the inside, their heart had not been surrendered to a savior. You know, church, that's so heartbreaking for me because I believe there's gonna be a day when Jesus Christ does return that there's gonna be a lot of people who think that they should have been raptured with the church. But the reality is, is they've been so focused on what they're doing, but they've never placed their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. There's people in this room right now that your heart is pounding out of your chest. You're miserable, you're ready for me to shut up because you're going, man, that's me. I've played all the church games. That's why God did what he did in the book of Colossians when we walked through it. Because you understand that's all that book is about is exposing the difference in religion and relationship. But the church has become so focused, or let me rephrase that, the people inside the church have become so focused on the what that we think we're justifying ourselves before a holy and a righteous God because of what we do. But at the end of the day, you've either trusted in Christ or you haven't. It's that simple. It's that simple. But when we realize, when we realize that's all there is to this, church, there is an overwhelming sense of praise. There's an overwhelming sense of thankfulness that we didn't have to check any boxes that we didn't have to jump through any hoops. Jesus has already checked all the boxes. Jesus has already jumped through all the hoops. And all we are called to do is to trust in the finished work of what he has done. And when we realize that, church, we want nothing more than to bring all that we are to a holy and a righteous God. And say, God, I was hopeless, but you gave me hope. God, I was helpless and you were my help. But church, we've got to get back to the place where we stop giving God our leftovers. We'll come to church if it fits our schedule. We'll give to this if it fits our budget. We'll challenge our kids as long as it doesn't compromise their career. Church, we've gotta be more concerned about holiness than crowds. Verse 14, he challenges them and we'll close with this. God says, but cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and he vows it but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. God is challenging them, stop holding back. 
Stop holding back. Everything that you have, I've given it to you. Everything that you possess, I have given it to you. Your time, your talents, your treasures. But we can go through all of those categories, our time, our talent, and our treasures. And I guarantee you, if we're honest before God, myself included, and this, I told you, is convicting. Because I realized that my time, especially this time of year, y'all know me, I loved being a deer stand. But you know what? There's a lot of times that I will let my desire trump what I know God wants me to do. And I'll give God what's left over of my time. Same thing with my treasures, same thing with my finances. God, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you this as long as I don't have to sacrifice this. Everything that you're talented with, you understand, you did nothing for it. You didn't buy it. You're possessing whatever talent you have because an almighty God who created you gave that to you. And you know what he's entrusting you to do? He's entrusting you to place it on an altar and say, God, here is all that I am and all that I have. Use it for your kingdom, not to build mine. And he's just simply saying, look, just give all of you to me because I've given all of me to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.